We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into today's show. This is Wednesday, June 28th. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. We're happy to have you back with us as we continue to trudge through the end of June, which is uh, spent, I would say the majority of time I get with Andrew, we know we're talking about some teams in this AFC Contender Series, but the opening is like, hey man, what are we going to talk about? Because we're dancing this fine line between you know, making podcasts that you guys are interested in without them being trivial or goofy or just nonsensical. And I think that is this year, it feels like more of a challenge than any other year, largely because I think the Browns have been quiet for the first time, sort of in the summertime period here than they have been in a while. And I I also think Andrew, as I welcome you in, I think it's because the roster and the coaching staff for the most part, now we've seen two coordinators change this year, but at least the big players in this have stayed the same for a little while and there's less intrigue about some of the auxiliary pieces, if that makes sense. I mean, they've added they've added some guys. I'm not saying that, but I just feel like the core of this whole operation has been in place for a little bit, and I guess that leads to less who could do this or what could happen here. You know what I'm saying by that? Totally, yeah. They're not overhauling the roster every year. so it. <laughs> I hear that has its advantages. Yeah. Well, I'd love to see them on the field, Jake. Let me just put Let's it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that there's a little bit of – yeah, there's less to talk about because the names are all pretty much familiar. I mean, there are definitely newcomers, as you said, but if you look at it as a percentage of the overall roster, I mean, you know, I think it's like 80, 80 to 90 percent of the guys that are on the roster are coming back, you know. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, it really is about we've to, and we've said this before, it's as much as this season is about the guys that they changed and maybe Jim Schwartz, you know, um, running a a little bit of a different scheme. It's also just about like the guys that are here doing a better job playing the game of football. And so that is harder to talk about because it's like you could sit here for two hours just talking about will they or won't they, but it doesn't really, it's not compelling, right? Because there's no like, you know, there's no, you can't sell belief in the same way that you can when you're talking about a new player who might totally change things. I couldn't agree more. And then you think about 
you know, they, they talked about this, uh, the most recent, it's not building the Browns anymore. I think it's unleashed, right. Or something like that. Yep. Um, you know, the, the, for the most part, these games come down to moments like the NFL, all of these games are so tight. So it's how do they overcome the moments that have cost them so dearly in the last few years? I think that's what they're trying to solve more than anything else. They're trying to solve the moments. And yep. uh, that's why they're going away to training camp. They're trying to do more team building. They're trying to figure out whatever that secret sauce is to get through some of those, those collective moments in the stadium. The Jets game comes to mind where mm-hmm. everything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's the Browns. It's in, in lack of a better phrase, but you know, I think it was Juju Smith-Schuster that said all those years ago, the Browns are the Browns. And like that yep. still does carry weight yep. when it comes down to it. And they have to find a way to organizationally, through the roster, through the coaching staff to push that aside. We're waiting for a group to do that over a continual period to lose that mantra. Uh, and I think they're, I mean, I, I give them credit. We've said it I, I, at this point, Andrew, I think we've said it a couple times this off season. I get, I do give them credit <laughs> for doing, making efforts to try to yeah, definitely. alter the, the status quo of the same old, same old. And, and, and uh, hopefully, like we said, you see it come to fruition. Now, we do some uh, some some negative podcasts uh, in, leading up to the season every year, and this isn't this isn't that we're not doing the where things can go wrong podcast quite yet. That comes more like training camp, but we are going to do a little bit of a tilt that is it shades toward negative, but we're not trying to be negative here. What we're saying is more like an annoying opinion, like we have an opinion of things that are going to happen, and we're trying to sort of flush out the annoying stuff. I, I think at this point. If you've been following the Browns, I've been on Twitter really following slash writing, analyzing them since like 2017 into 2018. So it's it's been a while. And it's there are some things that come up that at this point, as, as the, the huge chunk of their, their draft arrived, like the, the core players here arrived in 1718. We're in the middle of 2023. Five years is a long time to spend with some of these guys and with this organization. And Kevin arrived in 2020 and we're three years into that. Like it's a while. So what I think happens to me uh, more often this off season than ever before is something will be said, something will be written, something will be uh, overanalyzed. I just, I roll my eyes because I'm tired of the same talking point. So what I want to do is like pinpoint some of the most annoying things in the, the circle of the Browns. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't even know if it's like things were negative about necessarily, but they're just annoying occurrences. So like I would say one angle here is the most annoying game on the schedule where, you know, either the game's going to be ugly or you're just, you you think they're overmatched or you just think that like, there's nothing to be won from that game because even if you win that game, it's like that game doesn't matter because the other team is whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an angle. I think we're going to do also player, a single player. Now that player could be like, I'm tired of that guy. Can't stand watching him. It could be, uh, I don't want that guy to see the field, but he's probably going to see the field. Yep. Um, or it could just be, uh, you know, I, I just flat out don't like the person, I guess. It could also be that. <laughs> and, then, and then lastly, it's a storyline, like a storyline, yeah. you know, that is going to be out there mm-hmm. during the regular season in some way, shape or form. So um, I'll let you hit lead off on this. So we'll say looking at the, um, you know, the, the schedule, is there a game that you're just like dreading uh, altogether or, or really not looking forward to? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I, I don't want to be too selfish, but I'll take two right off the top uh, of the, the beginning of the year. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the Tennessee game is just because of who Mike Rabel is. And the last mm-hmm. time that the, the Titans were in uh, Cleveland and PTSD. how bad that was. Oh, yeah, exactly. Way. Like, and he, he, listen, he's got that up his sleeve, right? Like, 
week three is is far enough into the season that he could see something on tape that the Browns an early tendency that he can exploit uh, and he can have a, a coach like Kevin Stefanski tied up in knots. I mean, you know, uh, he worked for a long time with uh, did he work with Dean Pease? I have that in my head for some reason. I feel like he, Dean Pease was the coordinator. Anyway, my point is, is that we saw last year that the Falcons, a team with not much talent, did a similar thing to the Browns where they they were they were cheating out on all the screens and and destroyed the Browns screen game and the Browns couldn't get that going and and they lost a game in Atlanta they had no business losing so um similar vibes for me with Tennessee coming into Cleveland you know I I could very easily see a scenario where it's some goofy score like you know 8 8 to 3 or 10 to 6 or whatever at halftime with the Titans winning and you're just like how are we you know, I mean, maybe the Browns are two and zero. They've beaten two teams in the division, and they're and they're behind to the Titans at halftime. And you're just like, what is? Why am I doing this? You know, you're just pacing your living room on a, a beautiful Sunday in September, just <laughs> miserable because a team that's going to go six and eleven or six and twelve or whatever the number is, six and eleven, I guess that you know um, is, has got your your offense all tied up in knots for the first time all season. I, I can easily see that being the case. And honorable mention uh, just to going to Pittsburgh on a Monday night because the way that uh, – They don't play well there. Out of this playoff game, they don't yeah, play well there. No, there's that. And then just the way that the media fellates the Steelers every time, you know, the Browns and the Steelers play. It's like the Browns are – you know, the Browns are the other team. The Browns are the the uh, the Washington Generals to the Steelers, Harlem Globetrotters. They're just there for, for – to give the nominal opposition. So, um, you know, that, that game – could be really annoying. I I don't like the Monday night crew. You know, I, I mean, I, I you know. I, When's the last I, time the Browns won in Pittsburgh non-playoff COVID, not full stadium? That's a question I would like to know the answer to. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll dig that up while you tell me what game you're scared of or, or annoyed by or whatever. Well, going to Pittsburgh is the worst. They never play well there. Yeah. I, I can't, I mean, just not that they've had great success against Pittsburgh, but I will say in recent years, they've had really nice AFC North success at home. I think there was something like, isn't Kevin – seven and two or something at home and, and i think that's right yeah it's it's something like that i don't I'm, I'm, you guys again get mad at me like some people were mad that i forgot about the nick chubb receiving touchdown i posted on twitter last night how could you forget that i don't know because i watch these guys non-stop for years every play all the time and things are going to slip through the brain cracks here i don't know that maybe yeah, um maybe uh, i say yeah i would say i would say kyle shanahan coming to cleveland Oh yeah, rehashing the PowerPoint that will be uh, all over. Fox yeah, that, that's coverage. a good one. Yeah, that that one's up there. And plus, no one—I mean, I don't know—Kyle Shanahan just schemes you up. I meant to say on the Titans game, nobody really knows Schwartz right now, like Vrabel. Oh, great call! Great so call. That's another element to uh, the chess match of that one. Um, okay, other game. I think the game at the Rams has a chance to be a real clunker. There's two mm. games on the road that I think just just smell like they're not going to play very well. They might win. And ironically, I'm talking about the trip to Houston as well, mm. where just like the Houston game last year, you win that game, but you don't come out of it feeling really positive because, you, you know, you didn't play very well and that's an inferior team that you should be. I think they win both of those games, but they are those games where you're like, the team didn't play very well. There's a ton of negative here, but they won like 24-19. And it's hard to. I'm not saying you'd be mad about a win, never, never that case. But I, I think those games where the team doesn't play well and everybody nitpicks those games are not enjoyable experiences for me. So 
-hmm. I would say those two stand out. You know, you could pick the obvious ones. You could pick the road trip to Denver because no one likes going to Denver. They, they just always play well. Denver does at home. But I think those two sort of softer ones where the Browns are likely to win, but the, the surrounding discussion is is really annoying. I think I like yours more. I would have picked Pittsburgh one because I, I they, they yeah, just – I should have let you have that one. There. I apologize. I got greedy. It's okay. I picked two. I think the road trip to Seattle has a chance to be miserable as well. Uh, just because, again, I think Seattle's weapons are really good. Yeah, Their offense is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is uh is tough, and again, who not many teams go out there and play very well. Although the Browns do have a six three victory in their history out there, so mm-hmm. you know, all right, that's, that's out there. I did the research on this. Um, okay. Do you want to guess? I think it was the Tim Couch game. Still, Monday Night Football was it two thousand two, three, two thousand three. You, that's you, nailed, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's yep. insane. I remember looking that up like a couple years ago, but I wasn't sure if I was I was missing something. Again, I'm talking about the brain crap. Yeah, and I and listen, I did this on the fly, so uh, I would be happy to be wrong. But as far as I can tell, they won 33 to 13 in Pittsburgh uh, in on October 5th, 2003. So if they won there this year, it would be 20 years since they won in Pittsburgh in the regular season. Yeah, and a non like right non playoff game. And a crowd actually there, right? Like right, that, right, right. Yeah, for crowd sure. Crowd makes for a sure. huge yep. difference. The it really does. We're not yep. guaranteed to go that way, but uh, right. No, exactly. Yeah, thirty-three, thirteen. Tim Couch, twenty of twenty-five. Uh, I see with, you, Tim. With two touchdowns and an interception, uh, and eight carries for thirty-two yards. So, yeah, I no, I'm nice. That's a, that's I I misread that. Though. Four four carries for eleven yards. Did he have a touch rush, rushing touchdown? He though? did. He did. Yeah, Jake, that's you're what, doing. That's you're, doing you're doing fine work here, sir guessing on the fly i just remember some of the highlights there i'm pretty sure they were in the orange pants in that game sure be wrong on that too sure. but you know yeah. we'll, we'll give it a go mm-hmm. um all right cool so now we're picking now we're picking a player which oh there are a lot of fun ones here so mm-hmm. i'll let you go first on this one too um you know the the guy that i it it's it's there's two that I, I and I shouldn't i shouldn't take i'll i'll take my second one after i let you i don't want to be i i'm not going to be greedy again I, I will say if it, this is this is a little bit off the board, but if Wyatt Teller gets <laughs> picks up another Nick this year and is does the same Jekyll and Hyde thing that he did last year, I'm going to be really really frustrated because they gave him that big contract, and you know there was some some talk early in the offseason that they explored trading him, which makes sense frankly given their salary cap situation and what he has done since he got that contract. But um, that's one for me where if he, if he kind of does that again, plays at this, because listen, it's not just the part where he plays poorly. It's also the part where he plays as one of the best guards in the league when he's healthy. And then he tweaks an ankle and it's like, I mean, he, he, he goes straight, you know, straight to turnstile. There's no in between. There's no like, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's just, it's one or the other. It's a total 180. And so that's one just, you know, my frustrations and and frankly fears about the offensive line not living up to their paychecks is is a big part of and i i just find it really annoying because i think you know uh i wrote about this a few weeks ago team building wise it's not the wisest thing in the world to have so much money tied up in your guards i understand batonio 100% because he has been consistently an all pro player who doesn't miss time that guy give him the check back back up the truck teller I got issues with. If you watch it too, some of his when he misses, when he blows a block, it is it's ugly. It's ugly, and some yep. this is going to sound. It's caught strange lunging. Again. 
when some guys get beat, yeah, he's a big, like top heavy lunger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When some guys get beat, they can do it in a way that they, they, you feel like their quarterback can get away with it, which sounds really strange. I don't have any quantifiable data on this, but. Well, they'll kind of like grab the shoulder or they'll, yeah, like, they'll slow yeah. him down a little bit, but he, he likes, he, he swings and misses. He, he's got like a hole are, in his swing. Yeah. They're, they're big misses. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to put it. Yep. Um, all right. That's a great one. Mine is not as um, mainstream a player. I don't want to watch Tommy Togi. I play football anymore. Yeah. I, I have yeah no, you're hoping he doesn't make the roster, right? I am really hoping he doesn't make the roster because mm-hmm. he has this thing and it's not a personal thing. He's probably a great guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, he has this thing where he quits plays early and like, like tries to dance at the line of scrimmage where he'll like, he'll figure out, Oh, I have zero chance of getting, past this guy in front of me and then <laughs> he gives he, up he, so fast <laughs> he gives up so quickly and then he'll like dance on the line of scrimmage with run play and he'll make tackles downfield as a yep. defensive tackle that drives yep. me right crazy because he's, really he stays disengaged yeah yeah it's not your goal man mm-hmm. it's not your goal so like I, i'm sure there are worse players that can make this thing I, I get it you could pinpoint a lot of guys that maybe you're annoyed with over the years some people could probably you know if you're not an ajoku guy you could get mad at annoyed at some of the things he does or yeah. whatever but like there's a lot there's a lot of guys i think that you could pick I'm not well and, David, and talk about quitting on plays jed wills gets yeah, so 100%. much heat for that on twitter right like he's yeah. he's public enemy number one for that stuff and it's yeah. so he does it so obviously too and you could pick jordan elliott i think again that one's yeah fair. yeah yeah um, yep. Yeah, there's concerns. There's concerns. But, yeah, you know, I, I think too. he, I mean, to your point about Togiai, Elliot doesn't do it as, uh, he's not as obvious, right? Like, to your point about it being obvious with some players and not as obvious, like, he still, he was still getting washed last year, but it wasn't as, like, it didn't jump out unless you were watching the replay, unless you were watching the, the all-22 angle, the end zone cam, and then you started to really see how much he got moved. But on a play-to-play basis, watching live TV, I didn't, I, it wasn't jumping out to me the same way I was with like Togi I, or like you said with Teller missing, you, like you see it live. It's pretty ugly live too. It yeah. is. Um, and, and then you go have to go back and watch it again. And mm-hmm. it's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. I just the, would prefer to not have to, to digest any more of his film. Yeah. It'd be great. The other uh, high paid player who is in this conversation is Denzel Ward. Right. Um, yep. It's the same sort of thing that I talked about with Teller of just like, you know, and listen, I, I don't, I like, I don't want people to have the wrong impression of me, like that. I don't think these guys should get paid, but I am big on like, you know, like if, if you earn the big contract, then you got to keep earning the big contract. You don't get to yeah. just like shut it down once you get that payday. So I'm all for athletes getting as much money as they can get. Like they, they are the reason we watch the sport. So they deserve every cent. But when you get that payday, it, you got to keep earning it. And I that's why, you know, a player like Joe Thomas, you go back to him or Joel Batonio, these guys that get paid and they keep working just as hard. Uh, and it's not to say that I don't think Denzel Ward works. It's just that, you know, he has some high-profile misses, both coverage-wise and tackle-wise, that really irk you considering, you know, like we've talked about recently, where he's at in terms of, you know, the the money he's making. Yeah, man, I think you're getting paid a lot of money. Want to be considered a top corner? Can you at least be two yards between yourself and Deontay Johnson? <laughs> That's all. I'm, I mean, can we? Can we? What are we yeah. doing, man? Can yep. we? Can we cover some of these guys? Yes. Like that. Yeah. That was the first portion of last year where I was like, "What? What is he hurt? What's going right. on?" Exactly. These guys are open. Open. Mm-hmm. He started to play better by the end of the year, but again, you're, that question I first just asked a second ago: Is he hurt? Right. 
is a you know he's he's a 75 percent of a season player that's yes. just who he is the evidence yep. says right now like i would also like you to play a full season that'd be that'd be cool that'd be cool that'd be really that'd cool. Be cool it'd be super neat yeah so i think that's a fair choice from the high paid perspective um that's probably it that, that's probably good storyline stuff and we'll hit real quick yeah i think the thing that is going to drive me the most the singular thing uh I, if you haven't noticed i'm hijacking lead off uh, yeah go this yeah. scenario it's going to be around Kevin, where I think if things get bumpy offensively, even if the quarterback is is to blame, he's going to take all the he's going to take oh, every God, ounce yes. of the heat, and that to me is going to be a really annoying thing. Like mm-hmm. it's going if it's going well, it's quite likely that Deshaun is getting all the credit, and if it's not going well, it's quite likely Kevin's getting all the blame. So look, I'm not doing the thing where it's like, it's a lose-lose situation. No, if they're winning, it's a win-win for everybody. Like everyone's happy, right? It's just, I don't think, I don't think he'll get the, 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 the rightful credit he deserves. Is kind of what I'm saying. He's not going to get picked apart. Uh, and I'm, so I'm not trying to do that. The woe is me thing here, but I do think if it's going really right, it's going to be like Deshaun is, you know, is, is saving a, a coach who can't figure it out. You know, like there's yep. just going to be yeah, some totally. stuff there. Mm-hmm. And if it goes if it goes south and even if the mistakes are bluntly obviously Kevin or sorry on on Deshaun they're going to be like well he's not coaching him upright he's not doing this he's not doing that and and he's going to take uh he's going to get all the heat because yeah. we've talked about this in the organizational power rankings they're going to do whatever they can to get Deshaun in the, the to to extrapolate the best version of him out of it and if Kevin's even if it's bluntly obviously Deshaun's issue they're going to say he's not able to get that out of him. So we've seen someone extracted out of him. They're going to give him another coach. So that's just that's just going to be the the fair analysis of how Kevin is performing this year. I think is going to be a mess. Yeah. Well, and you see that. I mean, you see that all the time with hundred percent. You know the the Mayfield shoulder injury year. You know, and and how long it took the the media in general to come around to the idea that that was a that was a Baker Mayfield problem and, and not a Kevin Stefanski problem. I mean that we were litigating that through the season into the end of the season, you know? Yep. Uh, and, and I, I hate coordinator discussions in general. I think mean, for sure. Play calling is the most annoying yep. part of yep. fan banter. Yeah. I, I think the miles Garrett discourse uh, oh, has already awesome. has got, has already gotten annoying and it's yeah. June, right? The, the, the people in, in the media that want to paint him as some sort of not, you know, not what they want him to be in terms of a leader or a pro- producer or whatever that, that drives me crazy. Um, that's up yep. there. And then the other, you know, I mean, well, building off of your point about Kevin, I, the, the inability of most of Cleveland media and a lot of folks on Twitter, to be honest, to understand basic in-game decision-making is, you know, that's inexcusable at this point. Like the resources are so available to everybody. Um, you know, you like, if you've got an internet connection, you can spend 15 minutes reading about, you know, some of the, some of the most common decisions that, that, uh, draw heat going forward on fourth and fourth and short, you know, some, when to go for two, these basic things that have, you know, there, there are probability models that have, you know, statistically proven to, to give you a better a chance of winning a game. It's really as simple as that. And so if, if you can't trust that, or understand that at the least, even if you don't want to trust it, at least just understanding it. I think then, you know, people that simultaneously fail to understand it, but then continue to be very loud about it, that will never not be annoying. I think the other underrated one is just what's like, you Run know, the ball I, crowd. 
<laughs> I wasn't even getting there. I was going to, I, the thing that just, uh, so this maybe is just me is the Cade York conversation, you know, like <laughs> I think that you could fix him is the funniest thing in the world. Right. Me. Exactly. Like, and thinking that the standard for a quarterback is that he never misses a kick or for a kicker is that he never misses a kick. Um, you know, and, and just where that goes, if he struggles, when, if, if at all, do they decide to cut bait that whole universe? I just don't, I'm so the main reason I'm, I don't care about the value of like a fourth round pick. Really. What I really care about is that by selecting him in the fourth round, we have to talk about him so much more than we should ever talk about a kicker. That that is exactly the biggest detriment to taking somebody in the fourth round that kicks a football is that we have to analyze it more. And, And the thing that's most annoying is that, you often want answers in the analysis of why is he struck, bro? I don't know, man. That's like asking <laughs> me why is Max Homa pulling his irons. I, I, right, I can exactly. give you a general guess, right? But like right, yeah. these guys, the best equation I've ever heard is they they have coaches that are like swing coaches because it right. is a swing. Right. So I don't expect Bubba Ventrone to just like have answers for him or overhaul. He wasn't a kicker. They go with a kicking right. coach. Like right. they do their own thing. So you know, yep. Cade's got to figure it out. And if he yep. doesn't figure it out, like you're, you're probably not going to be around here very long, man. Right. That's it. Figure it out. I, I like, I can tell you his plant foot's 90 degrees off. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Right. And, and this isn't a knock on anybody. It's just like a very, it's just a very, um, I don't know, over discussed thing. It's where weird to me you, that people expect us to know. Yeah. Or anybody, anybody to know. know. It, Other than like, yeah, not us. Anybody. Yeah, like, like Jay Feely discussed it last year where he talked about his, right. his plant foot was wrong. I'm like, okay, that's finally somebody who actually right. has some sort of intelligent yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah Cade York stuff, man. I'm, I'm good on yeah. that. And then too. the whole psychological angle is just, you know, like listening to, to folks asking Kevin Stefanski questions about his mindset. It's like, you're you're getting further away from getting an answer here. You realize that, like yeah. <laughs> asking the head coach to speculate about a single player's psychological mindset. Yeah, man, he ate pancakes this morning. You know, that's he was <laughs> off, right? A little sugar rush going on around kickoff. I don't know. It's they crashing. want answers. We it's crashing. Know. It's crashing. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. We're gonna come back from that break, and then we're gonna go ahead and do our AFC contender series. But these are gonna actually be AFC non-contenders. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back. We're going to jump into what I consider our non-contender series. We have only four teams. That's That tells you a lot, Andrew, about the situation in the AFC where there's there's quite a few teams that have a chance to be good. So we only have four teams that we consider our tier four, which are really, really fringe teams. Now we had some we said are considered fringe, like the Broncos could be yeah. on the fringe side of things, but these are four like truly fringe teams from our perspective. Now we're going to do two today that we consider not very fun to discuss, which are the Raiders and the Titans. And then the next time Andrew and I get together, probably pushing toward Friday, we will do two teams that I think are actually a little bit more optimistic and fun, largely because of young quarterbacks and younger rosters. That's the Colts and the Texans. We are going to go through these much quicker than we did our uh, <laughs> contender series. So just be prepared for that. Uh, so we're going to talk uh, Raiders right off the bat. Um, you know, they, they have obviously gone through some serious change. It starts with Derek Carr, like Derek Carr being gone. He's been there. What was Derek Carr selected? What was that the 13 draft? 12, what, what draft was that oh, when man. Manziel came out? Was it 14 draft? 14 was Manziel, yeah. That's right. And that was the same year because Carr was a second round guy that year. So that's a pretty substantial amount of time to have the same quarterback. They bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. Apparently Jimmy Garoppolo is still hurt. Mm-hmm. He has no uh, guarantees in that contract now. We'll see if he actually ends up playing. That's a key addition is Garoppolo, a key subtraction is Carr. They also shipped Darren Waller to the to the Giants. He's been injury riddled, but still a good player when he's available. Their other marquee subtraction is Jarrett Stidham, I guess. Um, <laughs> marquee, marquee additions are Marcus Epps and Jacoby Myers. So let's look at their depth chart, and then uh, I'm just going to go through things here, like I said, uh, as quickly as I possibly can on these teams. So. Uh, it seems like Garoppolo is going to be there and play. He's willing to sell his soul here with his body. He's in pretty rough shape, but whatever. They still have Devontae Adams. We'll see how happy he is, productive he is. Smells like he's heading down the path of a, of a DeAndre Hopkins at some point before yep. we know it. Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, uh, round out the wide receiver group. They took Trey Tucker. They actually took Trey Tucker before Tyler Scott, so that was the that that's uh, it was a surprise. The first Cincinnati receiver to go as a third-round guy. Um they're tied in now is Austin Hooper. All right. And then they did draft Michael Mayer in the second round. So fun player. I think Mayer's a little limited athletically, but I still think he's a bully that can handle himself well. Uh, Colton Miller's back at the tackle. Dylan Parham, a guard. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the right tackle's name. I, I, I'm not even going to try. It seems like there's some holes in that offensive line. Josh Jacobs is, is back. Nice player. Led the NFL in rushing yards, obviously, but he's currently on the franchise tag, which who knows if he'll end up playing and guys typically don't love playing in the franchise tag defensively still got some serious talent at edge. Max Crosby is among the best in the league at that position, which is, it's just crazy getting him in the fourth round the way they did. That's after they blew like the Cleveland Farrell pick and uh, Mike Mayock, man, what a record that guy had mm. um, Chandler Jones still there. The, the corpse of Chandler Jones. I don't think he's playing anywhere near the way he was uh, with the Cardinals or the Patriots Bilal Nichols, Jerry Tillery inside. 
They drafted Tyree Wilson, who's a physical specimen out of Texas Tech, a huge guy. Uh, but there's some concerns about whether he's actually good at the at the technical aspects that will allow him to be great in the NFL. So that's uh, the, their first round pick. I think they took him eighth overall. So uh, expecting big things from him. They decide to start Robert Spillane, who was awful in Pittsburgh. He's among their starting linebacker group. Uh, Divine Diablo, who nice player. Uh, the secondary Duke Shelley is a corner for them, and David Long are both corners for them. Nate Hobbs is a nice nickel, and then they have Trayvon uh, Morig, the second round pick in twenty one at safety, and they like we said signed Marcus Epps. Um, I, I mean, there's some pieces to like here. I don't, I don't like the collective whole very much. Who are they, Andrew? I, I'll say I think they're just a toiling group here led by if they had a really nice head coach i i could say all right that's a sleeper team i have no faith in josh mcdaniels i have none and that to me is like they have taken on the identity of josh mcdaniels out in las vegas and good luck with that yeah well i mean it, it really goes back to that you know the hiring decision that the browns made in 2020 when well, it came down to stefanski or mcdaniels you know and um you know a lot of people were disappointed with the choice that the browns made and that is a that is a true you know uh, Robert Frost two roads diverged in a wood moment because where the Browns are right now if McDaniel's comes in and completely remakes things it's you know I you know I, I it just it's a it's a real shift in perspective because you know he would have forced De Podesta out and 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 completely torn the roster down and it would have been really interesting. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you wish you could see what that scenario looked like just to see where the, where the roster is, like which players he would have even kept. And I think that's the big question with the Raiders, right? Is it's like, you look at that defense, it's like, how long until they trade Max Crosby, man? Cause like, yeah. there's nothing else there. I mean, you know, like, I, like you said, uh, individual players that I'm like, okay, yeah. All right. But as a unit, they are rough. They are rough. I mean, I think, I think the fact that both starting outside corners are, you know, came in as free agents, and then one of the backup outside corners came in as a free agent. Like they, they're they are really starting over in the secondary, um, you know, and so that usually does not bode well. So, uh, who are the Raiders in my mind? This is the classic Josh McDaniels, you know, shitburger. That's exactly. what it is. Yeah, set everything on fire. And yeah. then wonder why you can't win games, and that's and 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 he'll just start casting around for somebody to blame eventually. And so, you know, it's like, does that mean that like the the quarterback they drafted, Aiden O'Connell, was he out of Purdue? He is a Purdue guy. Really, yeah. really interesting mustache on Aiden O'Connell makes me yeah. question. So that just makes me think, you know, by like mid season, he's starting. You know what I mean? Like, yikes! Because the, I mean, it just they're going to be looking for just about anything to to sell hope and the offensive line is terrible the defense overall is completely talent free as far as i can tell other than max crosby so it's like now you're talking about a team that just has some really nice wide receivers and i don't know that anybody's going to be able to get them the ball yeah because if jimmy's done which yeah. is very possible with what he's dealing with here there's some you read go back and read what has been noted about his it's not what you want to hear physical it's not at all plus he doesn't finish seasons anyway right you have Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. Like, yeah. what? What are you? What are you doing, man? Yeah. What are you it doing? Is, so. Yeah. And 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 again, like this is a situation where if it's a normal team, McDaniel's is probably out by midseason, and they're looking at another total rebuild. But can I mean, you know, uh, the Raiders? Uh, Mark Davis gave that dude a huge contract. Can he even afford to buy his contract out? I don't know. I don't either. And and that would be back to back disasters at coach for them, which right. would yeah. the type of thing that sets you back a decade. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I mean, like I would say that Jimmy Garoppolo, if he's respectable, they have a chance to be respectable, a chance, tough yeah. division, brutal division. Yep. They have a chance. He's their X factor by a mile. Like if he's not, I mean, the drop off from Hoyer to Hoyer O'Connell is like disastrous. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, yeah. they're a team that is, in my opinion, not being discussed enough for a team that might end up before we know it chasing losing games and trying to get the Caleb Williams Drake answer absolutely in the building yep. so yep. okay um that's them uh better or worse I think they're worse oh, quite sure. clearly than last yeah. year and then they're a tier four fringe we've already established that yeah they might I mean I think they're in a tier they're a tier five you know like yeah if not they're, even if they're playing this turn is, the TV true. off you know we're, get, we're, avoid, avoid at all costs we're tier five good luck if uh, if I I mean if I'm picking the power ranking the the 16 teams in the AFC I've got them 16th Fair. Very fair. Okay, so Titans are up next. Yep. Uh, another franchise. Hey, they're building a new stadium. That's exciting. But what what are you really optimistic about as a Titans fan? That's my question. Uh, I think the thing that you like more than anything is that they take on the personality of your head coach. Rabel yep. is, is really, really good. Among the best in the NFL, I think. But when I look at the Titans, their marquee additions here, Andre Dillard. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arden Key, I like Aziz mm-hmm. Al Shahir, the linebacker. I also liked him as a sneaky Browns target. Yep. Um, but they lost Nate Davis, is a, a competent guard for them. They lost David Long, a competent linebacker, and they lost to Marcus Walker, who really helped their big edge stuff they like to do up front. They have again pieces, right? That you that you kind of like, but but the offense is this. It's it's Ryan Tannehill still leading it with Will mm-hmm. Levis, the mystery of Will Levis behind him. Yep. Derrick Henry's getting older. He's apparently an alien. Maybe he has another 1,500-yard season in him. They're going to certainly try. Wide receiver group. Here you go. Traylon Burks, very disappointing first-round pick from last year in terms of what he would – I'm not saying his career is defined. He could be fine. But it was not anywhere near the type of stuff we're seeing from first-round wide receivers these days where they come in and they show you who they are and they're making big splashes. Then Nick Westbrook – Akini, Akina, Akina, Akina. Mm-hmm. Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. Another guy I like fifth rounder had a nice training camp for them last year, but didn't play all year. Got hurt. Yep. Andre Dillard. They drafted Skaronsky as a tackle, but they're listing him as a guard. Yeah. He's going to play guard. I think. So you took a guard in the top 10. Sure did. Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, mm-hmm. Nicholas Petit Friere, who's a third rounder in the 22 draft. Yep. I do like Ch- uh, Chigo Oconquo, who's a yep. Maryland tight end, who had a very nice rookie season for them. But do you feel encouraged about that offense? Not really. No. No. I. You know, the only thing I'll say about the offense that, you know, could surprise is I thought Tim Kelly did some nice things as offensive coordinator. I think he was with the Texans previously. Um. I, I don't think he's the worst offensive coordinator. And I think, you know, he's an upgrade over Todd Downing. Like, I think he's got a little bit more uh, coherent offensive system. And so, um, you know, I think there's a chance that the Titans, I mean, the defense, you know, is loaded, right? So the the question is, can the offense keep them in games? You know, can the offense move the ball? And I just think, you know, if if the if the system is coherent and they can really move off of the threat of Henry, you know, and and, and run everything around that, you know, I think there's a chance they can be, you know, like the twenty 
22nd best offense in the league, in which case the, if the defense is top 10, they could be pesky. It's not, yeah. you know, like if you're a Titans fan, you're not like excited about it, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just past the point of underestimating Mike Rabel and the work that he does kind of, you know, uh, scrap heaping guys. Uh, yeah. And I think that really That's applies fair. to the offense as well as the defense, you know? You need Tannehill to be better though. But for sure. Badly, oh, for sure. You badly oh, for sure. need him to be yeah, right. more in the line of competence that he was years before. He was right. and, miserable. And the big question is, at what point do they kind of stop wanting to find out what he is and want to find out what, uh, you know, Will Levis is as a, it's so hard. I just want to call him Will Levis, right? Like it's so yeah, like tempting it. to just Plus call he, him. He's so weird with the mayo and it's, the banana. I know. So it's like, I feel like he, if any quarterback in the league has deserved the nickname Levi's, I feel like it's him. So I like um, Levi's though. I don't know, are you in on Levi's? <laughs> well, I just think it's as a name. It's funny, you know, okay, but yeah, I'll wear it. I'll wear a jean. Sure. I'll wear a jean. He says, <laughs> all right, defense. They have uh, a lot more fun pieces though. Um, yeah, they do. They do. It's going to be Danico a fun Nico Autry. Yeah. Danico Autry and, and Jeffrey Simmons is their sort of like, uh, the, the interior edge guys of their odd front stuff are, are, are nice. Tier Tart is also a, a fun player in there. Harold Landry is not who he used to be, so he doesn't bring as much juice off the edge, but Arden Key will really help them. I think Shire will do a decent job uh, pr- replacing David Long. Mm-hmm. Um, I should mention, too, uh, who's their third-round pick? So they took Levis in the second, Skaronsky in the first. I'm not seeing a third. Did they not have Running a third back, rounder? Ty J Spears. Ty J Spears. They actually did they take him in the second round too? So they had two second round. It must have been an end of the second round scenario there. Anyway, um so cornerback is I think their secondary is still very talented. So they have Christian Fulton, they have Caleb Farley, guys they've taken in the early rounds. Uh, Farley was their first round pick in 21, second round pick on Fulton in 20. Then they have Amani Hooker, who I think is a nice safety. Mm-hmm. Kevin Byard is still an, a, a, one of the elite safeties. They signed Sean Murphy Bunting out of Tampa Bay, who's a nice player. And then they play Roger McCreary in the slot. They have Elijah Molden, a third-round pick there, too. So it's a nice secondary. Yeah, they got so that, too. Yeah. They should be good defensively, to your point. They were really, really awful on offense. Mm-hmm. And, and they have to figure out some level of competence. And I just I don't really see it, other than you're hoping Tannehill kind of pushes himself back a little more into what he's been in years past, or yeah. maybe Will Levi's comes in and lights a fire. It plays decently. There's some people that do believe in him if he's surrounded by decent structure and stuff, but um, they're, they're, they're a tier above the Raiders clearly to me, but yeah. not that far. I mean, we talked about who they are. Their, their X factor for the year probably is like the wide receiver group. Can they get anything out of that group? Yeah. Traylon Burks. Yeah. I mean, it, he was disappointing last year. They need him to be their number one. That's a yeah. tough spot to be in because they don't even have a number two. Like they're, right, exactly. they're, that is a really yep. like dicey group. And I see why they're pushing for DeAndre Hopkins where yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, are they better or worse than twenty two? I I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I guess probably they had expectations to be decent last year. They're they're yep. probably a little bit the same. I mm-hmm. I, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? I don't. I don't really have one on that one. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about them is that they were. I mean, unless I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this correctly. Weren't they? They were like good for the first. They yeah, were. They came yeah, out of the I'm looking this up. They were. They were seven and three, and then they lost their last seven games. 
And I think that goes with when they had Malik Willis come in, who has just gone from PFF's like highest graded quarterback ever to right this guy that will never see the field again because yep. can't throw. Right. Um, all right. Well, yeah, so, they, they probably so I, deserve a little more respect. They're they're probably in the fringe group. They're probably there with Denver, right? I, I think they are just uh, just by virtue. I have I, I until I see something different. I have a ton of respect for Mike Vrabel, yeah. and I think you know I think the fact that they they traded AJ Brown and then less than a year later, the GM that made that trade is gone tells you a little bit about kind of maybe some of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And and so, you know, my, I think the optimistic case for them is that they have a GM now that's on the same page as the head coach. Carthon has a lot of respect. He does. And and I, yeah, I think if those two guys can kind of work together rather than it seems like in retrospect, you know uh, what, you know, two, guys pulling in different directions. I, I, I think, I think it's going to be a rough year for them. I don't see them even sniffing the playoffs, but I do think they will, won't be, uh, you know, I, I would pick a team that's in contention, you know, to, to, to fall out and have a worse record than them. I don't see them as like the 15th team in the conference. So a lot like the Broncos were given the coach, a lot of respect and a chance yep. that's how based off that. So yeah. I think fringe is very fair for them. Yeah. Certainly a tier above, and then we'll pick apart the only two real teams I think in the AFC that don't have much playoff hope. The Raiders a very slim yeah. playoff hope, but I think that as we we hit on the Colts and Texans next, like they're pretty clearly um, in the in the we're holding out for another pick and then build another off season and then maybe make start making their push. So we'll get to those two teams, which actually might be fun to pick those rosters apart and look where they're going to be. Andrew, a fun episode as always, man. Appreciate your time. Glad to be here, Jake. All right, guys, we're out of here. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, appreciate you checking out uh, the OBR Film Breakdown podcast throughout. Uh, like I said, is is one of the more non-enjoyable times, but we're trying to find topics that are at least uh, semi-worth a listen. And I think the openers are decent. And then what it looks like, I said, the, the, the speed and the tempo, the frequency is the better word, at which Andrew and I are getting together means that we could probably just go ahead and do this for every team. And if that bores you, Shut the podcast off halfway through. That's fine. It's just maybe Andrew and I learning more about the NFL collectively, uh, which is, which is, uh, I think, you know, it's got some benefit. So anyway, thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate you stopping by. Check out the OBR's defensive tackle week. We have a lot of stuff going on there, breaking a lot of things down. So check that out. We appreciate you being here. Like I said, have a great day. Go Browns.